Today on episode number 748 of the School of Podcasting, COVID took her job away and she started a podcast and wait till you hear what happened. I'm also going to explain why do I always say it takes three years to start making money with your podcast? And we have some amazing relationship advice. If you stick around to the end, you're going to want to hear this. And uh, I, what might be blooper of the year? Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting Sense 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is where I help you plan, launch, and grow your podcast. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. And if you're a regular listener of the show, you know I always use the analogy of radio to kind of help explain, you know, the uh, in radio you have a frequency, in podcasting you have a feed, etc., etc. And I was watching a, a documentary. Well, it's, yeah, I guess it's a documentary. It's a movie. It was on Showtime. It was on Amazon until uh, the end of October. And it's called, the, I believe it's The Loudest Voice in the Room. And it's all about the, it's about Roger Ailes and how he created Fox News. And there's a scene in it that I'm going to play. And the reason I think it's okay to play this is this is also a clip they use in their trailer. So if they gave the trailer away for free, I think it's okay. And in a way, I'm using this as, as an educational thing. And as always, Yes, I could probably use fair use, but please remember that fair use is the defense you use in court. And when you go to court, it's expensive. So as always, consult your own legal person when making steps like this. And in this film, this documentary, what's happened here is they hired Roger Ailes and they were going to create Fox News in kind of a TMZ kind of tabloid kind of fashion. And so you'll hear the team and they're presenting it to Rupert Murdoch, who is the the owner of the Fox network. And then you'll hear Rupert ask Roger for his idea and listen to his idea. Fast, loud, edgy, tabloid TV. It's based on a very similar concept to a current affair, Rupert, and draws on the strengths of the Post and the Sun. Sounds good to me, gents. Roger. One question. Who is your audience? Everyone. We want to reach the widest audience possible. Well, I think that's wrong. Excuse me? We don't need everyone. Your problem is that you're talking broadcast. Cable is different. Cable is about one thing. Niche. The loyalty of a passionate few. We need to program directly to the viewer who is predisposed to buying what we're trying to sell. In politics, it's called turning out the base. If we can do that, then they will never change the channel. And what is that niche? Well, I think it is conservatives. It's roughly half the damn country. Every other news service, you think about it. Broadcast, cable, doesn't matter who it is. They have a left-wing bent. Ultimately, they are playing to a liberal elite. And that's fine. Fine. We will let them all battle out for that half. 
and we're just going to own the other half. Right now in America, 60% of people think that the media is negative, that it's full of lies, full of bias, full of crap. We're just going to give the people what they want. Positive message, an American message, wrapped up in a conservative viewpoint. That's hearts and minds right there. Sounds like a plan. And when I heard that, I thought, you know what? I know that podcasting is primarily seen as an audio format, but really podcasting is closer to cable television than it is radio because we are about the niche. You you heard him say his first thing was, who is your audience? And I preach that over, the more you know who your audience is, the better you can create content for them. I had a question this weekend. I saw it on Facebook and somebody said, I don't really want to niche down, but I want to stand out. And those two are kind of like on a seesaw. One of the easiest ways you can stand out is to actually niche down. Where else are you going to understand cancer than we have cancer, uh, which used to be the colon cancer podcast or Haley Bradkey with Adoptees On or the Chameleon uh, Breeder podcast. You can't get this information anyplace else just by niching down. You stand out. And like they said in that clip, you don't have to have the entire audience. There's probably an audience out there that is underserved. When I did my episode about Tyler Perry, he saw where people of color were underserved in the movie industry. He made movies for them. He's a billionaire. So keep that in mind that it's probably not going to work if you're going to try to do something that's on mainstream media because you're competing against them. But when you niche down, you have a smaller audience, but a loyal audience. And so today... I'm bringing on Natalie. She has a very interesting story, and her results are not normal. Here's my conversation. So, Natalie, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And your website, anxiouslovecoach.com. What is Anxious Love? Sounds like a cool band from, like, I don't know, this Saturday at the Palladium. Anxious Love, <laughs> with, you know. Yes. Well, thank you for asking. I work with women who struggle with uh, commitment and they they are with an amazing partner. I don't work with women who are necessarily in abusive relationships, but these are women who are consciously in amazing partnerships. They know that their partner is an amazing fit for them, but due to past trauma or uh, a lot of faulty beliefs that they've absorbed from the media or from their families, they have a lot of fear left over from the past that prevents them from really enjoying their what would be an awesome relationship if they just kind of got out of their own way. I'm going to be breaking it a lot today. Notice she's not just doing a general relationships. It's a very specific niche. Women who need to learn how to love the guy they're with. Love the one you're with. All right, back to now. So I have an Instagram at anxious love coach and I work one-on-one -on -one with clients to kind of get them back in their bodies again, process all their past grief of the lives that they never got to have and uh, finally start enjoying the great king right in front of their face. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, That's what worked for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, what were you doing before podcasting? 
Oh my God. Well, I'm a meditation teacher. It's just, I kind of rerouted that to my work now, but prior to the, to COVID really, I was a nutrition coach and a yoga teacher for corporations. So that was my, my thing. I never really liked it that much. I always wanted to go to into relationships, but I didn't have the guts to until COVID kicked my clients to the curb. There's one of those things where, <laughs> yeah. you know, the, the plus side of, of COVID, I guess. So. And nothing left to lose, really. Before, how would you get coaching clients for your yoga and your nutrition and things like that? I had a very sludgy sales funnel that was very slow and not sustainable. I taught yoga at many different corporations throughout Orange County. That's where I live. And I would get the students from my classes onto an email list. And then I would basically upsell them from there. The problem is you get the same clients week in and week out. You don't have a steady stream of new leads coming Mm. in all the time. So that was a really not a good system for me. COVID comes along, wipes out your yoga business. You you said you didn't like yoga. Were you kind of secretly happy? Yes. (laughs) I actually had, there was, there was a lot of writing on the wall saying, Natalie, get a job get a job. And I was like, no, if I get a job, that means I failed in my business. But it's ironic that the moment I decided to get a job and realized that getting a job had nothing to do with my personal success, um, actually getting rejected by the job and realizing I had no other prospects, I figured might as well start the business that I had no confidence in, but really wanted to try anyway. And as soon as I started talking about relationship anxiety and and relationship um, OCD, I started getting flooded with inquiries and I realized, oh, wow, this is a problem a lot of people have. So I just went balls to the wall. (laughs) What inspired you to pick that niche? Because, I mean, even just relationships, I mean, that is something that's a big word. And then you get into now you've said, nope, I'm looking and you have a very specific like you're not saying I'm looking for people in their 20s, but it's like it just seems like these are the people I'm attracting. How did you come up with that? I mean, it really comes from personal experience and it's actually on my podcast, episode number one, I talk, there's an episode say how I broke free from my relationship anxiety. I've been with my partner for eight years and he's amazing, but I had a bunch of leftover gunk around my opinions and beliefs around marriage and divorce and commitment. I was always this like free spirit, never wanted to put my foot down or take my foot out the door, but really secretly deep down, I I did want to get married. I did want to commit. I was just too scared to, but didn't want to tell anyone that. And I actually went on a trip to Europe and kind of worked through all my stuff, my, my, the junk in my trunk, if you know (laughs) what I mean. And I really just, I healed a lot. And that kind that joy that I felt after my big emotional breakthrough spilled over into my relationship and the, the relationship has been phenomenal since of course we have our ups and downs but it's, it's a totally different world now you you have this experience is it just a case where you started telling other people and they were like oh i have the same thing and you you said hey i think i you know and that's one of the things i like on your website you say i'm not a counselor what is lmft uh, licensed marriage and family therapist. There we go. Or a doctor. Yeah. And my work should not act as a replacement for those services. I only share the techniques of transformative work I've done within myself with the intention that it will be of service so that those would benefit from it. So she goes to Europe. She works with some coaches, some therapists, etc. She gets some new skills and brings them back now. And when I was a teacher in the corporate world, I would often sometimes get a little freaked out because I'd be teaching a class that I wasn't super up on 
And my boss would always say, you don't have to know everything about, for example, Microsoft Access. You just have to know more than your students. Did you ever have that come in your brain? Because some people might go, well, I couldn't do that because I'm not LMFT. So how, how did you get past that thought? Every day I struggle with imposter syndrome. So that is a very real struggle, especially as my business grows and grows and grows and grows. And, I, you know, the stakes are higher. My biggest fear is that someone's going to write an article about me in the New York Times about what a big fraud I am. I, I worry about that every day. The, the anxiety is there. I think the real thing that keeps me going is is the results that my clients get there and the emails I get and the messages I get. I teach meditation. I teach body work. I teach movement, which I am certified in. I am a certified coach. There are no techniques that I use that I wasn't trained in. It just so happens to be that these techniques happen to help a lot of people in this particular niche. So logically, I, I know that. But of course, I compare myself to people who are working like as OCD specialists and trauma therapists. And I, I do worry sometimes. But I think the real important thing to remember is that there isn't one gold standard of, of healing and finding yourself. There are many, many different ways. So where does that imposter syndrome creep in? Once she starts comparing herself to other people, don't compare yourself to other people's nine times out of 10. It's apples versus oranges. Instead, do exactly what she did. I am certified in these things. And more importantly, the people I'm helping are seeing results. And in the end, isn't that really what it's all about? Like, how do you go about just throwing your shingle out there? Let's go back to that. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this. What was the next step? I wish I could say I just came out of the closet and everyone <laughs> welcomed me with open arms, but it really started with baby steps. I was in a, a very large, like spiritual Facebook group. And at this time I was, I, I, relationship anxiety is kind of a taboo thing. It's very taboo to say, I'm having a lot of doubts about my partner and I'm going to stay because a culture says, if you're having doubts, maybe you should leave. Right. And so I, I first kind of came out anonymously in this giant Facebook group just saying, hey, I had this big breakthrough. I fell in love with my partner after like six years of doubting the relationship. And like a thousand people responded. And I thought, holy smokes. Proof of concept, just... yeah. Yeah, so I was like, okay. So then I went to my boring Instagram page, this personal Instagram page, and I just kind of leaked out to my close friends this little story. And then I got a bunch of responses for that. And then I kind of opened up to the rest of the Instagram. And then I started researching hashtags and using the right hashtags. And then my page just started to grow really, really fast. I had people asking if they could work with me before I even had an offering. That's cool. And that is when you know you're on to something. When people are saying, wait, what? Where can I buy that? Where can I listen to that? And it doesn't exist. That is proof of concept, which is basically what she got in the Facebook group. And people are contacting her. They're saying, hey, wait a minute. Where is this thing you're talking about? That's when you know you're on to something. Earlier this year, I did some market research on a product I was going to launch. And I interviewed many, many people. And nobody said, oh, wow, where can I get that now? And consequently... That product doesn't exist yet because I'm still working on it. So, and then, you know, I, I had my meditation teacher over in, in uh, Austria. So I called her. I was like, listen, I'm going to need you to teach me some of those techniques. <laughs> and of course, she had already taught me a lot, but right. it was more refining them. Really, the rest is history. When did you know you wanted to start a podcast? I'd always wanted to. I just didn't have the 
the guts or really, you know, the spirituality industry is, is very saturated. So I felt so nervous, I guess, to, to add on. But I'm glad I waited because relationship anxiety is a, is a relatively new and quickly growing niche. I think there are maybe only three or four tops other podcasts talking about this. And I thought, well, if I don't start now, someone else is going to start and I'm going to be late to the train. Jump yeah. better jump on now. And worst case scenario, you started and well, all right, I, that didn't work. At least now you can check it off and, you know, try yeah, something else I, or whatever. I, I really realized, too, there's there's really no big way to mess up with podcasting because the, the amount of good that comes. I think you said this in one of your episodes, too. The amount of good that comes out of it is way outweighs any crap. Yeah. How many episodes do you have out? I just have eight. That's it. Wow. Okay. So tell me how, how is the podcast working for you? I really enjoy it. I definitely get people emailing me about the episodes. Are you able to see that your clients are coming from the podcast? Yes, because on my website, I have a booking platform. So they don't have to email me. They can just pick a time that works for them no matter where they are in the world and schedule to do an assessment with me. And I have a question that says, how did you find me? And a lot of them come from Instagram. Some come from TikTok and some come from the podcast. So that way I know. Any just general advice on coaching? If they're thinking, well, I've never coached before. How do I coach? You know, things like that. Or, Or why would anyone listen to me? That type of thing. Any just general coaching advice for people that are maybe thinking of throwing out their shingle? I'll tell you a little story in, in place of that. I, I had a client I was working with the other day and I could tell that she really wanted to open up to me, but that she was having some resistance. And I asked her, are you needing me to get like vulnerable with you before you get vulnerable with me? Like, do I need to kind of show my insecurities to you? And she was like, yeah, I, I think I do. She really needed me to demonstrate to her that I wasn't this coach therapist superior person in power versus her as this broken client thing we had to get down to the same level of human to human and of course i had to jump in here i've mentioned this with interviews in the past that sometimes if you want your guest to reveal stories you have to reveal stories yourself i did in this interview i just edited out my stories because i'm here to talk about natalie but sometimes to get them to open up you have to share your stories to get them to share their stories And I think that's the thing that I love so much about coaching is that you can become, of course, you got to have boundaries with your client. But the thing that is so powerful with being a coach is you don't have to be done with your journey. You can be messy. You can become friends with your clients. Some of the best, most wonderful people in my life are previous clients that we've kept a relationship with long after the program was over. And really, as long as you're 10 steps ahead of your client, you can sell a great product. You don't need to be healed. You don't need to be perfect. And besides, personally, I don't trust someone who hasn't been through, who isn't where I want to be. Kind of like those podcast consultants that don't have a podcast. Oh, wait, was that my out loud voice? Or at least a little bit further ahead. So, and, And also the thing I've really realized is if you're in a niche market or you're really good at what you do, people will give you money. Anyone that says coaching is a saturated industry is full of crap. And I know I said her story is not normal. What's not normal about this? She has eight episodes out. That's it. Eight episodes. But listen to the problem she has. This is amazing. (laughs) 
I have more clients than I know what to do with right now. It's amazing. There are so many people out there who need healing and help and support. And if you don't think there's clients, then there won't be. But if you know that there are, there will be. One more time in case you missed it. I have more clients than I know what to do with right now. That's it. That's a good problem to have right there. I got too many clients. (laughs) (laughs) Well, any lessons you've learned? I know you've only got eight episodes. Anything you've learned at this point? Initially, my my website used to be OC Love Coach because I thought I was going to be a local love coach Uh, in Orange County. And turns out I got no clients in Orange (laughs) County and all clients in Europe and Africa and Asia and different states. And I thought, I'm not an Orange County love coach. (laughs) So I had to change my website. And if you change your website, you got to change your intro and outro. Who knew? You've heard me say it before. Your podcast is not a statue. It's a recipe. You can change it on the fly anytime. And that's exactly what Natalie did. Now let's get into how she's marketing her show and how she's interacting with her audience. Well, earlier you said something that that kind of piqued my interest. You were talking about your clients and one of the things you help them through is you said there are messages in the media that sometimes can kind of wreak havoc with people's relationships. What what kind of message is that? Every Thursday on my Instagram, I go live with something called TRA, Terrible Relationship Advice Thursday. And I actually follow a hashtag called Relationship Advice, and I get all of my worst relationship (laughs) advice from that hashtag. Uh, A lot of it says, you know, heck, I have a folder on here that says yikes. And it's it's stuff like, you know, when you meet the person, when you meet the right person, you'll just know how many of us heard that. When we were growing up, when you meet the right person, you'll just know. That's probably one of the biggest ones. How many people do you know that just knew that still got divorced? Yeah, that's us. <laughs> and how many people do you know that didn't know that are perfectly happy? Yeah. The feeling of just knowing is an emotion called infatuation. The research shows time and time again that infatuation is not an indicator of longevity in relationships. So a lot of times, you know, people find someone that they just know. And then when their partner cheats on them or they get divorced, they think, oh, I must have done something wrong. I picked the wrong person. It's a lot more nuanced than that. A lot of these messages, you know, in the Hollywood ever after kind of thing that sets us up for this idea that love is a feeling and something that you should be feeling all the time. And Really, it's it's nice to normalize that sometimes love is just something you do rather than something that you experience all the time. Any advice to somebody thinking of starting a podcast? Just do it ASAP. Just it's kind of like an invest, you know, it's like investing because your your user base and your listeners are going to compound over time as people start to talk about it. So the sooner you get started, just like you, you know, if you're going to invest in the stock market, the sooner you get started, the more compound interest, interest in your podcast you're going to have. And that's why I want to put this in here. If you didn't know this, every year Apple takes a holiday break. This year, they'll be on break from November 22nd to December 2nd, and then from December 23rd to January 2nd. So if you want a podcast ready to go in 2021, you need to do it basically by the end of next week. The The longer you go, the better the chance that it's not going to be officially ready to launch in January. If you need help, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. Well, Natalie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Again, her website, anxiouslovecoach.com. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, David. It's fantastic. So there is an example 
of niching down. She followed her heart. She had skills. She wasn't certified, but she had proof of concept that people were interested in what she was putting out. She didn't wait about it. She went ahead, jumped in the pool, and then found out later, oops, I need to change my website because, hey, I'm global. You have the power to help people to change people's lives if you have the courage. How do you get courageous? By making mistakes. I know that sounds weird. Let me give you an example. I have learned how to fill in holes in a wall through my move this past month because a couple places there were holes and I learned how to fill them. So consequently, when one of my contractors made a mistake and put a hand towel holder in the wrong place and I took it out and it had two big giant holes, it didn't bother me. I had the confidence because I'd seen mistakes, I fixed my mistakes, and now what used to freak me out, like, oh my gosh, there's holes in the walls. I'm like, that's all right. I got some uh, spackle. I'll throw it in. You need three layers, sand it down, little primer, little paint, good as new. So yeah, you might make some mistakes, or if you hire a coach or a mentor, they can steer you around those mistakes and get you going. But don't be afraid of making mistakes. But I also said that her progress is not normal. She had eight episodes and is getting clients, and that's great. And in fact, sounds like she has a lot of clients. Typically, I tell people it might take three years to really build an audience. Now, why do I say that? Here is why. So when we started our podcast three years ago, we already had quite a bit of connections. You become a six-figure blogger, and you know, is it really possible to do it in a year or less? So I wouldn't say like it is a typical route. I would say that like probably people are talking about it. The more typical is like you need like three years. I'm, I'm based in Spain here. I'm originally from Austria. But in Spain, there is a, a very famous in Spain, a marketing consultant. And what he says is whatever you want to have in three years, you have to start today to get it. So putting the work on from today to be where you want to be in three years. And I think this is also something, if you think of podcasting, if you think of SEO, two to three years, I would say, is a very good time frame to achieve a lot of things. Well, that's going to take a few years before you make dollar one, because my first ad came three years into it. Anybody in their right mind would have gave up by then. But that's all businesses. All businesses quit. I I have to interrupt. Yeah. What was the timeline again? Three years for the first ad. There we go. That's my favorite answer. I tell people all the time. So that is from Content Heroes with uh, Joshua, I believe it's just Goff, is how you pronounce it. Charlie Valor is just killing it lately with the business of podcasting podcasts. He just had this SEO guru, which I'm going to be talking about SEO in the future because there's news that that's how people are finding podcasts now. But Charlie over at the business of podcasting had a guest on the guy that was talking about the, the Indian proverb of three years or whatever. That was another great example. And then the third one is that's actually Dave from the cigar authority. And he was on my show as the podcast coach, which is a live kind of call in question and answer uh, show. I do every Saturday with Jim Cullison from the average guy.tv. And, uh, Dave has a book out, David and Goliath, which is all – it's kind of about you know brick-and-mortar marketing, uh, you know, kind of the small business versus the big you know giant stores. But it also kind of pertains to podcasting. So I'll have a link to that out in the show notes at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 748 along with all the other shows. And I do have an, an apology, and I can't believe I did this. That very first clip, 
I don't know what podcast it is. I just clipped it. I was like, oh, you idiot. So if you know who that is, that very first one, uh, let me know. I'd be happy to uh, – I, I need to give them you know, props, shout-outs, et cetera. But that's why I think it's three years. I hear it all the time, and I've, I've heard it a couple times at different conferences. And believe me, if you can prove that wrong, I would love to hear from you. I'm not here to say it's got to be three. No, I, I would love it if it was three months. I mean, Natalie's got eight episodes. I'm just – trying to make sure we have realistic expectations. That is all. And I'm always looking for insights. If you've done it quicker, faster, longer, shorter, taller, or whatever, I'm always looking forward to hearing from you. This next clip is again with Natalie, but because she was a listener of mine, I want to show you that I practice what I preach. And I say, anytime you have a listener in front of you, whether that's in person, on Zoom, Squadcast, whatever you're doing, if you are live with one of your listeners, you have to ask them, what do you like about my show and what do you dislike about my show? Earlier, I asked you, what was your favorite episode? And you said, oh, of yours? And that wasn't even on my mind. But since you threw that out there, what episode of mine stood out or, or is one of your favorites and why? There was an intro for one of your episodes that I listened to, and it was actually you pulled the audio clip from a book that I ended up reading because I thought the intro to the book was so funny. I think it was the intro from the book, The Science of Storytelling. Do you remember that one? You pulled like a clip from it. And I think you talked a little bit about storytelling in that episode. I do a lot. I just did the the Matthew Dix interview. So that might have been it or something like that. But okay. I was just curious. And oh, there was one more actually. I like the episode that you did where you compared all the different types of microphones. That was very helpful. Even though I'd already bought one, it, yeah. it made me a lot more conscious about the sound quality. In in the fact that just that some are way better than others? Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because it's it's weird because my, my audience loves tech. And yet my message, at least I think my message is, it's not the tech. Like it really, you know, as long as you don't sound unlistenable... It's fine. Yeah. Really, Although some, some podcasts really do sound unlistenable. Oh, my, I, I, if it's unlistenable, then I just, I get off. I don't listen to it. Speaking of gear in the last episode, I reviewed the zoom pod track P eight. couple things have come up since I've done that. Number one, I actually used it this Saturday when I recorded my live show, everything went great. And I said in the episode last week, there's something weird about the headphone amplifier in it. And that's definitely a deal because every now and then, and it's not in the recording, that's the good news. But in the headphones, I hear something that sounds like this. It's really weird. So that, and I'm trying to figure out a way to record that, to send that to them. This is still on version 1.0 of the firmware. And I'm not sure, I'm assuming Zoom, other Zoom products they have the ability to upgrade the firmware. So that is one thing I wanted to mention about it. The other thing is when you play a jingle, when you play a jingle, so if I play this, I have no idea how long it is until that particular jingle is over. So if I'm trying to do something and know when it ends, uh, all of a sudden the song ends and I'm like, oopsie. So that is something that is on the Rode Procaster that's not on the Zoom. It's, I don't know how much time I have until my music bed is over. And that's kind of a big deal. I was like, oopsie. 
So that's a little update on that. The other thing, when I asked Natalie, I go, hey, what do you wish I would change about the show? The key to that is to ask the question and shut up. In the future, you'll hear an interview I did with Rick Coast, who also is a listener of the show, and I did the same thing for there. And I'll maybe I'll play one of the examples there where I asked them, "What do you wish I would change?" But it is there's an awkward pause there, and you just have to be okay with that. Hey, this is Doug from King's X, and if you like what you hear, go tell someone. I know you came here to talk about podcasting. I've got some really cool relationship advice coming up in just a second. I do want to remind you that you can join the School of Podcasting worry-free. What I mean by that is there's 30 days you can join in and enjoy the awesome private Facebook group filled with brilliant podcasting minds, our step-by-step courses, the twice-a-month group coaching, as well as lunch with Dave every Friday. Plus, you get access to me via email, and I often reply with a custom video just for you. If you go through 30 days of this and go, hey, Dave, not for me. I don't know. I thought I was a podcaster. Guess I'm not. You get your money back. Join worry-free. Go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R when you sign up for either a monthly or yearly subscription. There's also the three-month quick start program now has openings for people if that's what you're looking to do. Again, schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Is there like a a thing that you see, you know, is there something you see more across your clients that you go, well, that seems to be a problem? I guess there's two. Um, one of them's more interesting, so I'll, I'll go with that one. The, the first one is just the, the the nagging doubts all the time. Of course, on my on my podcast and on my um, Instagram, I talk a lot about being more in your body and being out of, less in your head. That's that's probably the biggest answer. But the the second one is I notice a lot of my my clients they come in and they're feeling unattracted to their their partners and. They think it's their partner's fault. Their partner's not shaving enough. They're not spiritual enough. They're not ambitious enough. But what they don't realize is how they often unconsciously contribute to the unattractive dynamic. So, you know, sometimes, for example, I notice a lot of women will call their man like a man child and maybe he's not picking his clothes up off the floor. What they don't realize, we talked a little bit about affirmations behind the scenes. I remember this is a lot of times when you call your man a man child or you act like his mother, you reinforce the pattern. And it's like, if you want him to be a man child, call him one, you know, <laughs> but what, what's a really huge shift is when you start calling into being the man that you want to be with. So with my partner, I regularly tell him what I want him to be and affirm to him that he already is. So for example, I tell him, thank you for putting my oatmeal in the Tupperware. You're always looking for ways to make me happy. I want that to be true. So I look for the evidence. And then when I see the evidence, I name it and I appreciate it. And that makes it so that he wants to do that again. A lot of times when we're feeling not attracted to our partners, it's because we literally contributed to the dynamic that made it so icky. So if we can show up with a a slightly different energy, and I guess it could, if you don't want to use the woo-woo word energy, you could just say, if you want to show up with a different attitude, then your partner's going to respond with a better attitude also. But it really comes with just knowing yourself, taking responsibility for your own emotions and your own needs. And when you're able to do that, your partner will respond in a wildly different way. That's it. It's always one of those things you're waiting for them to change. And it's like, mm, actually, if you change nope. a little bit, you can inspire them to change. I yeah. know, but we don't want to do that. No. Because here's the thing about, we, we want to tell ourselves that when, when we find the right partner, I'll be happy. And the, we want that to be true because that way you don't have to do the work. Mm. 
My favorite line in when I was in marriage counseling was, what happens if you're like, well, I'll change when they change? Like, what happens when you're in a stalemate? And the counselor said, oh, that's easy. And we said, well, who who moves first? And then she said, it's easy. The more mature one. And we just went, oh, come on. I don't like that answer. <laughs> So, well, that's a good one. It is Somebody a good use one. That. <laughs> yeah. Here's what's coming up on Wednesday on my YouTube channel. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash Dave Tube. Isn't that cute? Dave Tube. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash Dave Tube. I will be showing you how to convert your RSS feed into a CSV file. Mm, you can smell the nerdiness from here. Next week, I will be talking with Rick Coast. I know I've mentioned this in the past. I'm actually going to publish it this time. I was going to move it into this episode, but like I said at the beginning, you know, sometimes you got to spread it out when you have an abundance of content. And uh, Rick is a guy, he's into uh, narrative storytelling, uh, nonfiction, kind of almost like the old time radio shows. And uh, wait till you hear what major movie studio-ish kind of company that he ended up working with because of his podcast. You can subscribe out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe. While you're out there, you can also subscribe to the newsletter. And uh, if you feel so inclined, could you tell a friend? It would really, really mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, take care. God bless. Class is dismissed. And now, the worst way to start an interview ever. Just a few seconds. Well, joining me, we're going to get our love on. That does not sound like a good way to start a, an interview at all. But uh, let's start. In fact, that we'll do that again. We have some amazing relationship uh, stuff. What do you call that? Um, advice, some relationship advice. That's what you would call it, Dave.